So I'm challenging you as a government to do something about it. Gas gouging outrage and the B.C. community that wants action on what it calls injustice and... This is contributing more to climate change than all our other emissions combined. The unaccounted B.C. carbon emitter that means Canada is way off its environmental targets. You're watching Global B.C. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with a warning for anyone trying to sell a vehicle privately. Surrey RCMP are investigating what appears to be a new trend in car theft. A young father put his vehicle up for sale online because he needed the money. But hours after a couple tests drove it, the car was stolen. Kristen Robinson has more on the switch and steal scam the suspects may have used. Ooh, look at the sheet. Oh, look at that. Kyle Pruden thought he'd found a way to raise some extra cash. Let's play with these ones. To give his seven-year-old son, Marcus, who lives with autism and a bone condition, a great Christmas. My son's having a surgery in early January, so going to need some money for that, too. Pruden's car, too small for Marcus's wheelchair, so he listed the Chevy Cobalt on Craigslist. But the sale didn't go as planned. Oh, yeah, that's something. A couple, seen here took the car for a test drive on December 7th, telling Pruden it was perfect for their 16-year-old daughter who just got her license. I even lowered the price a couple hundred dollars so they could afford it. The next day, the couple told Pruden they'd changed their minds. The deal was off. The car was parked at uh, this spot right here. Hours later, it was gone. They come up to my car, and less than a minute, it's gone. About 20 seconds, they get in the car, start the ignition, and it's off. After his uninsured car disappeared into the dark at 3 a.m., Pruden discovered his test drive key had been switched. I didn't realize at the time that they had given me a different key to a different car. The key looked exactly like mine. He called the test drive couple for an explanation. They kind of used some foul language towards me and... Uh, said, why would we steal your $1,200 car? And then said uh, some swear words and hung up on me. Surrey RCMP are investigating and warning the public to be aware of emerging trends such as this. The surveillance of possible suspects, part of that probe. I want to tell them that they're good to be on Santa's naughty list. Hey, what, do you, what do you want to build? Pruden and his son struggling to put the pieces together on how anyone could do this. Especially right before Christmas, that's kind of heartless. Somebody that could be the nicest people in the world could, you know, steal literally in the middle of the night. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A pedestrian has been struck and killed along the Surrey Delta border. RCMP say the man was hit while jaywalking across Scott Road just after 5 o'clock yesterday. It was dark and rainy at the time. The victim was transported to hospital but died of his injuries. The driver who stayed at the scene was treated for minor injuries. RCMP say speed and alcohol do not appear to be factors in this incident. Drivers ought to pay a little more attention and slow down and... Pedestrians ought to use the uh, crosswalks and not be crossing mid-block because you're extremely hard, hard to be seen uh, this time of year, especially. 
Erratically fluctuating gas prices are a hot topic in Metro Vancouver, where they continue to be among the highest in the country. But in Powell River on the Sunshine Coast, they're even higher. Today, about 20 cents a litre more than in Metro Vancouver. So a town hall meeting has been held to address the problem. As Grace Key reports, people are fed up. Powell River residents are heading into a town hall meeting hoping to learn more about a question no one seems to have an answer for. Why are gas prices so much higher here than the rest of the country? The cost of gas in Nunavut today is less than here. So when you look at the challenges of getting them to different, or gas uh, to different locations, that obviously isn't the only reason. Prices at this northern Sunshine Coast community sits at 147.9 cents a litre. And even with Vancouver's TransLink tax, prices are still higher. What this can do is uh, encourage the BC Utilities Commission to do a, a specific, have a specific look at Powell River, have a specific look at the Sunshine coast to see what makes our communities um, among the consistently highest prices. So I'm challenging you as a government to do something about it. Panelists hope to hear from residents on how high gas prices impacted them and their businesses, but instead there were lots of questions and finger pointing. Why can we not bring legislation in to control the pricing such as we do with hydroelectricity, we do with natural gas for heating our home. Constantly the governments are just reflecting it onto somebody else, oh this guy's problem, we don't have refinery capacity, whatever it might be. Residents were also asked to sign a petition asking the BC Utilities Commission and Competition Bureau to investigate gas prices in the area. Grace Key, Global News. A sentencing hearing will begin tomorrow in Victoria for the Oak Bay father convicted of killing his two young daughters. In September, 45-year-old Andrew Berry was found guilty of two counts of second-degree murder in the deaths of six-year-old Chloe and four-year-old Aubrey Berry. The girls were found stabbed in their father's apartment on Christmas Day two years ago. Berry's convictions come with an automatic life sentence. A B.C. Supreme Court justice must decide whether he can apply for parole at a minimum of 10 years or the maximum of 25. And the hearing is expected to last four days. An Okanagan woman is speaking out about the murder of her child. She says her daughter reported a sexual assault as a teen, but after it was dismissed by police, she turned to the wrong place for help, which eventually led to her death. Jules Knox explains. We always went to Tickleberry. In 2001, Carol Neville learned that her teen daughter, Teresa, had allegedly been raped when she was just eight years old. But when the family reported it to police, Carol says RCMP interrogated her 15-year-old daughter alone for at least four hours. At the end of it, they made my daughter write a confession paper saying that, no, this rape did not happen. But Carol is convinced it did. And she's shocked that police not only dismissed the case as unfounded, but made Teresa write her own confession. She was such a mess when we left the RCMP office. She slammed the door. She looked at my husband and I and said, they made me do it. He did it. They made me do this. That's when Carol says her daughter started to close up, turning to a new man. While it's not clear how Teresa met Jay Thompson, her mother says he was like a counsellor to her, a 45-year-old man working in close quarters with the vulnerable teen. He got her pregnant twice. Teresa's family didn't approve of the relationship. No words could describe it, and life just got worse. And now I have no daughter.
Teresa was murdered in June 2013, stabbed at least 35 times in the living room of her home by the father of her children. More than five years after the killing, Thompson pleaded guilty to second-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison with no eligibility of parole for 10 years. Bicycle riding. Carol believes he should have been charged with the sexual exploitation of a minor, too. I'm still waiting for those charges. He's got murder, yes, but when he gets out on the street again, he needs to be on the offenders list. He needs to be a marked man. RCMP declined comment for this story. As for Carol, she believes... If they don't start bringing charges forward like they should, there will be others. Jules Knox, Global News. A vigil in Vancouver this afternoon for a man who died in an Ontario prison three years ago. The gathering at Trout Lake was one of seven held across the country. Suleiman Fakiri, who had schizophrenia, was 30 when he died in a segregation cell at a correctional centre in Lindsay, Ontario, on this day in December of 2016. The vigils are being held to highlight the need for reform in how Canada's correctional and judicial systems care for people suffering from mental illness. We have the resources to treat these people. We can support them um, and give them the dignity that they deserve. Yet over and over again, we have this pattern of uh, police brutality or brutality in our prison systems, in our migrant detention centres, where people are left in, in really inhumane conditions. We want to give you plenty of warning that some of you may find the images in this next story quite disturbing. An East Kootenai man is calling for a ban on leg hold traps after his dog was badly injured in one of them. The dog's leg caught in a trap when Bill Post went for a hike in the woods near Cranbrook recently. The dog's leg was saved, but the black lab lost most of his teeth trying to chew his way out. Trapper warning signs were posted in the area, but Post felt that he was far enough away that he and his two dogs were safe. The animal protection group Fur Bearers has urged the province to implement a ban on leg hold traps. It says the number of animals treated or euthanized due to trap-related injuries has more than doubled in B.C. in the past two years. Abbotsford police have handed a hefty fine to the driver of what turned out to be a very unsafe commercial vehicle. This dump truck and trailer was busted by a APD's traffic enforcement unit Thursday afternoon. Police say six of its brakes were not working. One shock was disconnected and one axle U-bolt was missing. The driver was handed more than $1,000 in fines. The dump truck was also taken off the road. Abbotsford police warn random inspections like this will continue. And under the banner of some people just don't learn, Vancouver police caught the same alleged speed demon in two different locations just 13 minutes apart yesterday. The Honda driver was busted at 7.02 in the morning in the 4500 block of Knight Street. Then at 7.15, the same motorist was caught speeding in the 900 block of Kingsway. The male driver received two $196 speeding tickets and six points on his license. The VPD traffic section is urging drivers to slow down and warns that that getting one speeding ticket doesn't give you license to speed for the rest of the day. Hundreds of Vancouver animation and visual effects artists are out of work after an Academy Award-winning studio suddenly closed its doors earlier this week. The next part of the story you will find hard to believe. 
The Life of Pi won the visual effects Oscar in 2013 for work done by artist Guillaume Rochon of MPC, the moving picture company. The Yale Town Studio also worked on Harry Potter, The Amazing Spider-Man and Blade Runner 2049. IATSE Canada confirms MPC Vancouver shut its doors, laying off hundreds of visual effects artists with no notice. The union is offering free legal support to laid off staff. At its height, the studio employed 800 artists. As the UN climate conference wraps up in Madrid and Canada commits to Paris Accord climate targets, there's one source of carbon that hasn't been taken into consideration, our clear-cut forests. As Paul Johnson explains, a Sierra Club study says they're putting our targets way off. A stand of old growth forest in BC. One way of looking at this is as one of the most effective carbon removal systems in existence. And conservationists say, by the same logic, BC's massive clear cuts are tremendous carbon emitters. How's that for a new twist in the debate over how to cut greenhouse gases? Unfortunately, here in British Columbia, our forests are making climate change worse. Jens Weeding is a forest and climate change campaigner with the Sierra Club in BC. They studied BC government data over a 13-year period and found that beyond the loss in carbon sequestration from cutting down forests, the additional carbon released from the decaying tree matter left over from clear cuts amounts to one of the single biggest carbon sources in the province. Across BC, this is contributing more to climate change than all our other emissions combined. And as world leaders struggled to agree on new carbon reduction strategies in Madrid this weekend, the Sierra Club says that emissions coming from clear cuts aren't even being factored into the discussions and weren't counted when Ottawa trumpeted its achievement in the Paris talks four years ago. This has to change. We need reporting of those forest emissions. The BC Council of Forest Industries told Global News Sunday that BC is a world leader in sustainable forest management, that each year they harvest less than 1% of the working forest land base, and that three trees are planted for every one harvested. Weeding says the solution is for the industry to move to selective logging that leaves more of the forest intact. The climate crisis is uh, endangering everything, including our economy, including forestry jobs. Unless we reduce emissions, all parts of our economy will be at risk, including forestry jobs. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Some hockey star power was on hand to help out with a Christmas food and toy drive in Langley this afternoon. Former Canuck Gino Ojik. Dave Babich and Kirk McLean were there to support Andy Batty's Survivors Supporting Survivors event. People could get an autograph in exchange for a non-perishable food item or an unwrapped toy. Proceeds go to Sophie's Place Child Advocacy Center for victims of sexual abuse. Our goal is to give every family a really big hamper, let the kids realize even though they went some severe trauma, people in the community still care about them and they're not alone. An Okanagan mall Santa fired for posting controversial photos online is getting some new gigs. 69-year-old Gary Hopped says he's added 8 to 10 new Santa gigs, including appearances at cocktail bars, a daycare, playground and pet store. 
Hupp lost his job as the Cherry Lane Shopping Center Santa last month after he says the Penticton Mall received a complaint over two questionable photos he posted to Facebook. Hopped appearing to take a drink from a flask and reaching for another woman's breasts. Hopp says both women agreed to the photos, which were taken in good fun. The mall didn't think they were appropriate. And a reminder that tis the season to be wary of porch pirates with one thief in the U.S. leaving behind a very special message to his victims. Hillary Smith says she opened the front door to her home expecting to see an Amazon package. Instead, she found this note that read, Thank you for leaving me the opportunity of stealing your package. Very nice of you. Thank you, the new owner of your package. Smith said the Amazon package was uh, a stolen gift for her boss. Former SNC-Lavalin executive Sammy Babawi has been found guilty of charges of fraud and corruption. The 73-year-old Babawi faced a total of five counts, including corruption of foreign officials and laundering proceeds of crime. The Crown alleges he was behind payoffs to foreign agents to secure lucrative deals for the Montreal-based engineering giant in Libya beginning in the late 1990s. The jury found him guilty on the fourth day of deliberations. Federal Finance Minister Bill Morneau is tweeting he'll be providing an update on the state of the Canadian economy sometime tomorrow. Opposition MPs are criticizing the government for the timing of the update. Parliament closed for the year on Friday, so there won't be any opportunity for the minister to take questions from opposition critics. The next phase of the Passenger Bill of Rights takes effect today. The first phase was introduced in July and laid out new rules for airlines. This round of regulations outlines what compensation passengers are entitled to when their flights are delayed or cancelled. But the rules only apply to situations within the airline's control. That means they will not cover delays caused by weather or mechanical issues, something critics say is a problem. The new rules actually create loopholes and, and codify the loopholes in the regulations. For example, if your flight is delayed or cancelled, in virtually all cases, you will not be entitled to any compensation. Weather is excluded, maintenance issues are excluded. And I would love to hear the government explain to the public what is left then. The latest UN conference on climate change has wrapped up in Madrid without an agreement on one of its key issues, how to regulate global carbon markets. Regretfully, after all the hard work that you have all done, we couldn't get uh, to an agreement uh, on this important article. After two weeks of negotiations, delegates from almost 200 nations passed declarations calling for greater efforts to cut planet-heating greenhouse gases. Canada expressed regret that a deal could not be reached on how to govern the exchange of carbon credits between countries. Canada will continue in our steadfast commitment to advance the implementation of the Paris Agreement through our domestic actions and our support for developing countries to help drive the urgent climate action that is needed to be taken by everyone. Dangerous brush fires are threatening homes in Australia today. Several houses have already been destroyed after flames jumped containment lines earlier in the afternoon. Bush fires have killed four people and have burnt about 2.5 million acres of land this year. 
A six-year-old girl is among three people killed in a 6.9 magnitude earthquake that struck the Philippines. Officials say several other people are injured and many buildings are damaged. The quake is the latest in a series of tremors to strike the southern part of the country. Crews are still searching for survivors but say they're not sure how many people may be trapped under the rubble. Indonesian police have arrested two men in Sumatra suspected of being part of an international ring which poaches and trades in endangered animals. Police found several boxes containing four lion cubs, a leopard cub, and 58 turtles and tortoises. If found guilty, the two suspects face up to five years in jail and $7,000 in fines for attempting to smuggle wildlife. The turtles and the leopard cub are listed as critically endangered, while the lion cubs are listed as endangered. And the danger of concussions has been a hot topic in sports over the last decade. This week, former NHL goaltender Tim Thomas was inducted into the U.S. Hall of Fame. It was the first time anyone has seen him in years. As Mike Drolet reports, concussions left him unable to communicate with the outside world. Tim Thomas always played with an edge, never afraid to back down on the ice. He was acrobatic and unorthodox, a style that led him to the Stanley Cup. Celebrate with Tim Thomas, their heroic goaltender. Then alienated many of his fans when his right-wing leanings saw him refuse to visit the Obama White House. He always made news until a 2013 concussion forced him to retire and ultimately disappear. I couldn't communicate with anybody for a few years. I didn't, I didn't call my dad. I, I didn't talk to anybody. And until now, nobody knew the extent of brain damage he suffered. For years, he says he lived in isolation. They didn't know what was going on with me either. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, so he cut himself off from his old teammates. And until this week, six years after the concussion, he didn't watch another game. I didn't want to talk about this. I didn't want to talk. I, I didn't want to tell the world this stuff. It was Ken Dryden's book, Game Change, about former NHL player Steve Montador being diagnosed with the neurodegenerative disease known as CTE after his death that proved to Thomas that he wasn't alone. The NHL settled a lawsuit with former players in 2018 over brain injuries, but the league has always denied a link between concussions and CTE, which can only be diagnosed after an autopsy. Thomas says he's getting treatment for his brain damage and is now better than he was. And by telling his story, he says he's learned more about himself and how he can help others who may suffer a similar fate. It taught me a value for life. And a value for my brain <laughs> that I may, I've never had before. Um, and I have appreciation for everything that I never had before, so I don't regret anything. Mike Trillet, Global News, Toronto. Every child wants to talk to Santa, but that's harder for some to do than others. But one special Santa already knows that. Children who are hearing impaired shared a magical moment with Mr. Claus conversing through sign language. Santa's making sure he receives the Christmas wishes of all kids. For these young ones, visit 
Stay in malls can sometimes be difficult. The specialized meeting allows the children an opportunity to speak directly to St. Nick himself. Many parents said this was the first time their hearing-impaired children had really communicated with Santa. The event was hosted by a theater company in Calgary. It's a really independent way for, for our children to be able to communicate with someone and tell Santa what they want instead of him telling me what he wants and me then translating it to Santa. It gives him a time to be independent and have that real magical Christmas moment with Santa. He was a little nervous at first. I think he thought he was in trouble because Santa will understand everything he says. He's not used to every, from, he's not used to adults understanding what he was saying when he signs. Um, so he was really just excited to see Santa and for Santa to know how to talk to him. Hallmark is a popular channel this time of year. Last year, it was embroiled in a controversy over representing diversity on screen. This year, it's getting attention for pulling an LGBTQ ad. Do you think Zola could have made planning your perfect wedding easier? We, we do. do. The wedding planner site called Zola was advertised on the Holiday Channel, but the group One Million Moms complained saying Hallmark was, quote, fed up with having the gay agenda crammed down our throats. Talk show host Ellen DeGeneres called out Hallmark CEO in a tweet saying, it's 2020, what are you thinking? Running a marathon is a huge challenge. Now try doing it in the Antarctic. But wait until you hear why an Edmonton man's accomplishment is even more incredible. We will have his story right after the forecast. And boy, it, seeing that cold weather, it feels so <laughs> balmy here right now. <laughs> yes, very balmy and very mild. It was a bit gray over the weekend. We've been tracking some wet weather, but we managed to squeeze out a few breaks through the day today. And here's a great shot that was captured in Bunsen Lake. So thank you so much, David, for sending in that photo. Peachland this morning, earlier on, sent in from Rod, and a great shot of some sunny breaks in Pressy Lake. So thank you so much, Lorna, for that. Seeing the snowfall on the ground as well. This evening, it's still dry out there across Metro Vancouver. Temperatures are sitting at 4. We've got an easterly wind at 13 kilometers per hour. But looking ahead, especially as we get in towards the day tomorrow, we've got this change on the way. Courtesy of this system that is working its way in the north and central coast and the northern half of Vancouver Island, seeing that rainfall moving in this evening and continuing over the next few days. We've also got some active weather across the central interior with a snowfall warning that is in effect. So the rain picks up especially along the coast. By tomorrow morning it's on and off showers. We'll see some heavier pockets. It'll be in waves through the day and for tomorrow morning across the central interior, snow moving in and a significant amount ranging between 15 and potentially over 20 centimeters and that'll continue all the way in towards Tuesday morning. Now the next wave is going to move in once again on our Tuesday and that'll likely be some of the heavier rain that we'll see across Metro Vancouver and much of the south coast. So the snowfall warning includes the following areas, the Caribou, that's including Quinnell, Stuart Nachaco, Prince George and McGregor. Monday morning through Tuesday morning, 15 and up to 20 centimeters, with most areas seeing 10 centimeters locally, but we are keeping a close eye and we've got a significant amount of snow on the way. For the piece tomorrow, another chilly one, the wind chill near minus 23. A chance for some flurries will start to pop up by the afternoon and then it is quite windy leading into Tuesday. Tuesday and similar for Wednesday with on and off snowfall. Whitehorse tomorrow, the, the winds are going to ramp up southerly up to 30 kilometers per hour. A chance for some
some flurries and then a break on Tuesday with a partly cloudy sky. The northern half of the province, so the rain is moving in this evening. It'll be heavy at times for tomorrow. Winds closer to the water, southeasterly 30 and up to 60 with a few spots even getting up to 70 kilometers per hour. We will continue to see the heaviest rain on Monday and Tuesday and then easing off on Wednesday. But we've got a number of systems and ways working its way across the province. Caribou and Central Interior, so snowfall warning 15 and up to 20 centimeters on Tuesday, a break in the action, and then with temperatures bumping up on Wednesday, it looks to be falling as rain. Columbia and Kootenai, a few morning fog patches, flurries for the afternoon. Snowfall moves in for the Columbia and Kootenai. It'll be on Tuesday and heaviest on Wednesday, so a heads up. And most areas near the tops in Okanagan, it's flurries for tomorrow morning and early afternoon. Tuesday, cloud cover, and then on Wednesday, snowfall and heavy at times. Areas near Whistler will see two and up to four centimeters tomorrow, and then an additional two and four by the evening. Rain mixed with snow on Tuesday, Wednesday, with the temperatures just bumping up above the freezing mark. And the south coast and the island will see that rain moving in. For tomorrow, though, it's mostly showers, and then the heaviest rainfall will start to push in. And that's approaching our Tuesday. So have the umbrella and some of the rain gear ready over the next few days. It's going to be quite soggy, blustery for a few areas as well. There's no sun balls, as Bear and I like to say in this one. Uh, the five-day forecast tomorrow, the lightest rain. And then it's really Tuesday onwards that it's really going to pick up and heavy at times. Colleen? But there's no snow, and I'm okay with that. Yes, higher elevations, we may see that. So that's good news for the mountains. For sure. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. Uh, the no snow part can't say the same for this next story. An 84-year-old Edmonton man has become a world world record breaker. Roy Spenningson has become the oldest person to ever run a marathon in Antarctica after completing the Antarctic Ice Marathon. As you may have guessed, the race is not for the faint of heart with runners braving windy, icy, cold conditions. Svenningsen crossed the line in an impressive 11 hours, 41 minutes, 58 seconds. Race organizers say he is the oldest person to ever complete a marathon on the continent. Svenningsen ran his first marathon in Calgary back in 1964, and he's completed 50 marathons since. Long time outside, <laughs> just yeah, walking. Just never mind standing running a marathon. outside. Yeah. No kidding. Good we've for him. Got, we've got no excuses, guys. <laughs> no, we don't. Is it eighty no, something? No. We have got no excuses. Ben, ben raised the bar. <laughs> <laughs> what you got coming? Well, up? the Canucks are on the ice right now. They're in Vegas. Uh, Taking on the Golden Knights. They lost last night in San Jose, hoping maybe to get a weekend split, but things are not going too well for them. But much better for the Seahawks. They won again on the road. So we'll have highlights of both of those coming up. Okay, looking forward to that. You know, if I was in Las Vegas, I wouldn't want to have to work hard and then go to bed early. I'd you know, it doesn't. It's you're talking about the Canucks. Well, they got in late last night, probably seven to nine hours at the at the tables, and then up for the game today. Good point. You know, so they cut it down. So I shouldn't feel sorry for them. No, no. Okay. No. Maybe they won a lot of money. <laughs> All right, thanks, Colleen. Before we get to the game, the Canucks have put Sven Berchi on waivers, which means any team in the league can claim him. Jim Benning has tried to trade Berchi, but with no luck. The 27-year-old Swiss has been plagued by concussions the past few years. He is healthy this year, but has spent most of the season in the minors. He can still score if he plays with the right people, but has two years remaining on his contract for slightly more than $3 million per season. We'll see if there are any takers. Now, the rest of the Canucks in Vegas tonight. After falling 4-2 last night in San Jose, Vegas always seems to come out strong at home and right on cue, Nick Holden's point shot. Gets through Jacob Markstrom's glove. Got a piece of it, but... 
It's one nothing Vegas, but the Canucks respond right away in a great effort by Elias Pettersson. First shot stopped by Marc-Andre Fleury, and Pettersson dives to knock in his own rebound. What a play. That's his 14th. And we are tied 1-1 on the effort by Pedersen. But on the power play, Vegas goes back out front. Valentin Zikov will chip the rebound over Markstrom. 2-1 Golden Knights lead after one. Second period, Vegas more chances. But Markstrom, one save, then robs Mark Stone on the rebound to keep it a 2-1 game. But this is one-way traffic for the most part tonight. Golden Knights find the net. It's a pretty three-way pass by Riley Smith to Jonathan Marcheseau who sticks it under the bar. 3-1 Vegas, and then it's uh, Aldergrove Shea Theodore. Fantastic stretch pass here to Max Pacioretty, who feeds Mark Stone. He's in alone and buries it top shelf, his 12th. And Vegas starting to run away with it. 4-1 right now. They are late in the second. Also today, Flyers and Jets from Winnipeg. Jets have been a pleasant surprise. Lost a lot of quality defensemen in the offseason, but Winnipeg's played great. They had to bring in Lucas Spiza, the former Canuck, and he's played quite well. That's his first of the year, 2-0 Jets. Now 2-1, Blake Wheeler winds and fires past Brian Elliott. 3-1 Winnipeg, and then later they get some fourth-line production. Logan Shaw with the quick release. His first year with the Jets, that's his first goal. It's 5-1, then 16 seconds later, Patrick Laine on the 2-1-1. Goes for the pass, goes in off a of flyer and in. 7-3 the final. The Jets are 14-4-2 in their last 20. A surprisingly strong start for Winnipeg. The Seahawks can uh, still finish in first place if they win the last three games. Today in Carolina, the Seahawks took on a uh, team that's lost six of seven. They do not have Cam Newton at quarterback. He has been injured for most of the season. And uh, it should have been a relatively stress-free win, but we know how the Seahawks go about their business. But they start very strong. Uh, Russell Wilson to Chris Carson, great power run to Bullisway in the end zone for the touchdown. 16 yards on the play. They missed the PAT, but they led 6-0. Next offensive possession, Wilson goes 19 yards to the rookie DK Metcalf. Another perfect throw from Russell. 13-0 Hawks after the first and in the second. Their third offensive drive and their third touchdown. All sorts of time. Wilson picks out Tyler Lockett. 19-yard touchdown pass. Wilson's 28th of the season. It was 20-7 for Seattle at the half. Third quarter. Defense coming up with some plays. K.J. Wright had an interception a few minutes ago. Carolina got it back, but then K.J. Wright makes another interception. And that led to a field goal, and it was 23-10 for Seattle. Fourth quarter. Seahawks. Going for it on fourth and one from the Carolina Five, and it's Carson one more time. This guy is so hard to bring down, refuses to be tackled, takes it in for his second touchdown of the game. 30-10, to 10, Hawks in control, but true to form this year, Seattle does not like to do it the easy way. The Panthers scored two quick late touchdowns. Kyle Allen to Curtis Samuel with three minutes to go. All of a sudden, the lead is just six and things are getting a little tight in here but when they need it the most Seahawks deliver it's Chris Carson with a 10-yard run on second and nine to seal the deal Carson with a career-high 133 yards on the day Hawks improved to 11 and 3 30-24 over the Panthers and the Seahawks with their franchise record seventh road win of the season 
Welcome back. The Seahawks and 49ers meet on the final day of the regular season, and it's very likely the NFC West will be on the line a couple of weeks from today in Seattle. Like the Seahawks, the 49ers had a very winnable game today at home against the Falcons, although Atlanta has played well of late, knocking off some good teams. Niners trying to stay ahead of the Seahawks atop the NFC West. Fourth quarter, Jimmy Garoppolo to Kyle Juszczyk. And the 49ers look to be in control up 19 to 10. But late fourth, eight seconds to go. Falcons at the 49ers five-yard line. Matt Ryan to Austin Cooper, who appears to make a miraculous catch in the end zone. But after review, they say the ball hit the ground right there. So it's incomplete. No catch, but time for one more play for the Falcons. This time, Ryan goes to Julio Jones at the goal line. Now, initially, that's ruled no touchdown. But upon further review, the ball just broke the plane of the goal line and the Falcons shocked the Niners 29-22. So that means the Seahawks are now back on top of the NFC West. A wild finish today in San Francisco. L.A. Rams at Dallas. Two teams desperate for a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. The Rams' Jekyll and Hyde season continues. So impressive one week, so awful the next. Today they were awful. The Cowboys have been awful most of the year, but Dak Prescott eludes the sack, finds a wide-open Tavon Austin for the 59-yard touchdown, made it 14-7 Dallas. Jared Goff and the Rams' offense were unstoppable last week against the Hawks, but they stunk today. Goff picked off by Sean Lee, who returns it inside the Rams' 10-yard line. Dallas playing inspiring football, and then Zeke Elliott had a big day. Two touchdowns in the first half, including this one. 44-21 the final. Dallas thumps the Rams with that L.A. loss. The Seahawks clinch a playoff spot, as do San Francisco. The Rams now likely not making the postseason. Cowboys' first win against a team with a winning record this season. In the AFC, Titans and Texans. Tennessee has won 6-7. of seven. Both teams 8-5 and five in the AFC South, but it's the Texans who jump out quickly. Deshaun Austin to Kenny Stills, his second TD of the game. Houston with a 14-0 lead in the first quarter, but Ryan Tannehill and the Titans roar back early fourth. Tannehill with all sorts of time finally will zip a strike to A.J. Brown, who just crosses the goal line. That touchdown ties it 14-14, but the Texans respond right away. Carlos Hyde will take the handoff, find the end zone, and the Texans win at 24-21. They lead the AFC South at 9-5. Titans drop to 8-6. Broncos and Chiefs in the snow in Kansas City. Chiefs still trying to get a first-round bye in the AFC. Patrick Mahomes going to work in the first, a 42-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Perfectly thrown ball in double coverage, 6-0 Chiefs. Third quarter, same combination. This time, it's a five-yard touchdown, and the Chiefs roll past the Broncos in the snow, 23-3. Kansas City now 10-4. and Patriots and Bengals, New England trying to hold off the Chiefs for the second seed. Third quarter, Pats up by three. Tom Brady to the Canadian kid, Nikhil Harry. What a catch by the Toronto native. Seven-yard touchdown, 20-10. Brady, though, with another less-than-impressive day, 15 of 29, 128 yards. But New England's defense stout again. They picked off Andy Dalton four times, including the 64-yard pick six by Stephon Gilmore. Pats clinch a playoff spot, hammering the Bengals 34-13. They are 11-3. Bobsled World Cup opening weekend from Lake Placid. Justin Cripps did it again. Won gold yesterday. Pilots his Team Canada four-man sled uh, to back-to-back gold medals. 
even with the bad top of the track and the deficient start. Cripps, uh, really a world-class driver, third consecutive win, fourth straight four-man World Cup medal. They have a quick Christmas break and they're back at it in Germany in the first week of January. APL action, Arsenal and Manchester City. Man City contributing to more misery for the Gunners. Kevin De Bruyne was a force. Beautiful pass across to Raheem Sterling for the tap-in, 2-0 City, and then later in the half, De Bruyne does it himself. A thumping left footer from the top of the box. Second goal of the match, City blast Arsenal 3-0. Manchester City are third, but they are a whopping 14 points behind first place Liverpool. And if you missed it last night, the President's Cup from Melbourne, the Americans with a big rally won eight of the 12 points available to overtake a very scrappy international side. Tiger Woods went out first, won his match 3-2 and two versus Abraham Answer. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin had a chance to win his match on the 18th hole against Bryson DeChambeau. Could have really used that one, slides it by, so he got a half point, but uh, wasn't the only reason they didn't do it. A couple of guys needed to play better, and the big USA boys came through in crunch time. Matt Kuchar with the cup clinching putt. USA has won eight straight President's Cup, 16-14 the final tally. Tiger Woods wins as a playing captain. There you go. Nice. All right, thanks, Bear. Whistler prides itself on alpine fresh tap water, yet there are concerns about what's lurking beneath the surface. It's a known risk, so what's being done to address it? Monday on Global News Hour at 6. Here's a look at your snow report. Whistler Black home with a base of 50 centimeters, 26 for grouse and cypress at 32. Revelstoke with two new centimeters, a base of 120, Fernie 119, and Kicking Horse 94. Big White with five new centimeters, a base of 109, 115 as a base for Silver Star. Sun Peak, seven new centimeters, Apex 11, and a base of 87. Whitewater, a base of 120, Powder King 144. Oh, the Christmas season's uh, a lot of fun. And for so many of us, though, it's, it's just another holiday season. But for many new immigrants, this is their first Canadian Christmas celebrating brand new traditions. Global Edmonton's Chris Chacon has their story. It's a Christmas celebration they'll never forget. This is a first Christmas. I love Christmas and I love the light and the trees and the food. I love everything. I love Canada. I and I love very, very much to be in the first uh, Christmas here. Dozens of recent immigrants who now call Edmonton home took in some holiday festivities. This is their first Christmas in Canada and we're able to be there to help celebrate, uh, celebrate it with them and do what we can uh, to make it a really special uh, occasion. This event hosted by Catholic Social Services welcomes newcomers from all countries and backgrounds. It offers a wide array of Christmas activities including a traditional turkey dinner. A lot of these families that are with us, they've walked a very difficult road. Uh, and a challenging road. So this is a very special occasion to be able to celebrate their first Christmas here in their, their new home. And it wasn't just the kids who had all the fun. I am from Afghanistan and uh, it is it's lovely to be here in Canada and this is my first Christmas. I'm enjoying it. I'm uh, very excited. This is my first time I came here. I came with my three kids and um, it's um, um, a very nice event. This is the 30th year the organization has hosted this event. Throughout the year, Catholic Social Services helps roughly 14,000 newcomers navigate housing, education, and health care. Christmas is about joy. It's about peace. Uh, it's about friends. It's about family. It's about being there for one another. 
and so much is expressed by a smile, irrespective of the many languages that are spoken here in this room. We all speak the universal language of a smile, so to see all these beautiful smiles just warms my heart. Me happy. Krisha Khan, Global News. Thank you. Those Aww. are some of their, those kids' first memories of this country, and they will carry those with them into adulthood, and then they'll have their own children, and, and yeah. it just... Ah. Heartwarming. That's the part of the season we all love. Oh, it absolutely is. It's all about giving. And, you know, it's nice that people in our community are benefiting from that as well. Mm -hmm. uh, last word on that weather forecast that's oh. turning pretty ugly. Be prepared. It's going to be some umbrella weather. Uh, we are going to be seeing a wave of rain for tomorrow, but then the heavier rain really starts to pick up on Tuesday. So a heads up. Thank you. Thank you for watching. Jordan will be here at 11.